Welcome to The Whole Metaverse, a New York University School of Professional Studies podcast exploring the ever-expanding metaverse and Web3 landscape. Each episode, we'll talk to the pioneers, influencers, and innovators leading the way. If you want to understand and better navigate this burgeoning space, you're in the right place. Wes Hazard, thank you so much for being on the NYU podcast, The Whole Metaverse. I'm Pierre Gervois. I'm one of the co-hosts. Dr. Elizabeth Haas is also the co-host. She's not with us today, so that will be just two of us. Wes Hazard, you're a man of many things. You're an actor. You're a stand-up comedian. You're an author. You're a three-times Jeopardy champion. And on top of that, you are one of the most active person and a researcher about the metaverse and Web3. I know you first as a crypto art collector, and also I know you and I deeply appreciate the Twitter space you're having every week for the organization Well Members. So there are many Twitter spaces about crypto art, about the crypto art community. Yours is one of the absolute Best, I learned a lot about the NFT ecosystem, Web3, and the metaverse. And that's particularly why I invited you on our podcast. And thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Thank you, Pierre, for that beautiful introduction. You know, I appreciate the kind words and uh, very happy to be talking to you today. Thank you. So I would like to start really on the, on the personal matter. Do you remember the first time you heard about Web3, about crypto, about the metaverse? Okay, uh, a couple different strands there. The first time I ever, ever heard about crypto would be probably 2010, 11, uh, early days of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin, the white paper came out 2008. The first block was mined 2009. I don't think I ever heard about Bitcoin until probably 2013. And it was a person that I knew very lightly online who was in my DM saying, you know, price is up, it's going crazy. At that point, I mean, it's probably, it was certainly less than $1,000 or something like that. And I, I was like, I did not particularly know this person that well. And my past interactions with them had been, you know, relatively unfulfilling. So I was like, just dismissed it. And uh, to my regret, infinitely, and um, I didn't buy any, and I am thus not a billionaire. But I first, you know, created my Coinbase account in 2015, just sort of interested in the, the tech and everything. And back in those days, I mean, you could really just buy Bitcoin in a little bit of Ethereum here and there. So yeah, that was my crypto journey way back when, very lightly interested in it, did not do any sort of deep dive research, learn about the how and the why, the political nature of it, anything like that. So, you know, that's for crypto. As far as the metaverse goes, um, that term, you know, I think, I believe invented by, uh, you know, in the debuted in the novel Snow Crash uh, in like 92, 93. So I'd heard that term just in my general travelings through being a sci-fi fan and whatnot loosely. At that time, it, I just, in my mind, it was like cyberspace, like, you know, same sort of thing. And so I had a very loose and I would say probably incorrect definition of it, but that was so long ago that I could not give you a specific date. So the term metaverse, I was aware of probably since I was like 12, not something I was thinking about deeply, certainly not having the understanding um, or perception of it that I have now. And in terms of like Web3 and the crypto art, like, you know, I've sort of this is what I do now. <laughs> you know, this is sort of uh, my life professionally and uh, artistically now. So I would say it was 2021 
that spring where I started to really, you know, be looking at this on the daily, be really invested, attend these Twitter spaces, hold these Twitter spaces, start collecting NFTs, that sort of thing. That wasn't until um, spring of 2021 for me. There are multiple definitions of the metaverse out there. Scholars have proposed definition, artists have proposed definition, entrepreneurs. What would be in like 30 seconds, <laughs> the West has their definition for the metaverse? My definition of the metaverse is sort of a hybrid of Punk 6529, who's a very notable person and, you know, a pseudonymous person in this space. He, you know, I think had the best distillation of it where it's basically in, in the short one sentence, it's the internet that you walk through and experience rather than just scroll on a screen. A more sort of expanded version, I would say it would be a persistent visual layer of the internet. So I'm thinking like augmented reality, which you have access to 24 seven through, you know, devices which have yet to come. And which is buttressed by a critical point of having an ownership layer. So the crypto baseline tech allows you to actually own things and have, you know, some agency within that realm. So said like that, it sounds very not sexy and like whatever, but that, that is the most basic thing. It's like the internet that you can see and move through and you also definitively own things that are yours and that you have full control over. Following the, the FTX bankruptcy and uh, all the negative images we had in mainstream media about everything related to crypto and the metaverse, a large group of people are saying, I'm not interested in the metaverse. Cryptocurrency is a scam. NFTs, it's pointless. What do you say to people who say, I don't believe in it? Yeah. <laughs> to those who say, I don't believe in it. I mean, it's it's very much here. These technologies are relatively extremely young and have seen such incredible adoption and valuation and use and utility in the short time that they've been here that I think it's um, sort of undeniable. So sort of to unwrap your question there with the FTX situation first, I think it's important to distinguish between just bad actors and just fraudsters and uh, crypto and then from crypto and the, the metaverse. So with FTX, you know, Bad guy, uh, you know, I totally feel for the people who lost uh, you know, significant funds. A lot of people lost their life savings. There's, you know, nothing good to report there within that company. But that specific situation was nothing in there was intrinsically crypto. Like that was an Enron situation. This was a, a you know, a company was created to say that we're going to do this and steward your money and, you know, be correct and fair and just about it. And in fact, they just stole their customers' funds and gambled with it. And then they lost everything. That is a story that has, you know, it happened to be with crypto assets. There is nothing intrinsically crypto about that. And in fact, if you adhere to the principles of self-custody where, you know, you, not your keys, not your crypto, where you actually sovereignly own those assets, none of that would have happened. Everything that, you know, bad with FTX happened, one, because, you know, you had a very bad, deranged, unethical person at the helm and, you know, horrible situation uh, market-wise. And then also you have people who ceded that custody that is so essential to what everything that I'm talking about to a third party uh, in order to, to, you know, for convenience and, and some financial rewards. So want to, you know, sideline that and say that that's what's up there. Uh, in terms of crypto and NFTs, the cryptocurrency, the trading of it, the hype, the, you know, the NFT projects, there's a lot of FOMO and, you know, a lot of vaporware and a lot of lies and scams. Absolutely. I will absolutely, that's quite obvious. I don't think anyone arguing good faith could deny that. But the underlying technology itself, I think, is vital, essential, 
you know, helpful and inevitable. It's not utopian. There will be downsides to all of this, as there is with everything. But the technology itself, outside the scams, the hype, the FOMO, is absolutely real and undeniable. And this is very much what we are doing with the internet and the future of it. One of the promises of the metaverse is it's going to connect everybody all around the world. But a lot of people don't have internet access, don't have electricity, don't have computers. And it feels to me that right now, the beginning of the metaverse is more for privileged people. And it feels to me that we're forgetting a big part of the humanity because we have the chance to live in a very rich country. What can we do to make sure that every human being on the planet can have access to the metaverse? Mm, so, you know, you, you raise a very good point there, and but it's also something that we've seen over and over with technology, you know, just uh, we live in a, a capitalist world, which is, you know, uh, unfortunate in many ways. Um, and that means that people, you know, in the, you know, the, the global north, uh, in privileged countries, countries that extract and, you know, uh, you know, put their footprint out there, you know, have the highest level, you know, uh, quality of life and get technologies first. This is nothing new. When cars came out, obviously, it was obviously the most privileged people who had first had access to them, even to this day, you know, when cars have been around for, you know, a hundred plus years and, you know, are seen as totally common and, and, and normal and non-fantastic. Um, you know, there is a significant portion of the global population that cannot afford afford a vehicle at all and, and would not, on this current timeline, it's not looking like they will. So in terms of global um, you know, wealth disparity, inequality, the crimes of global late-stage capitalism, um, that is a an issue, a major problem that this stuff directly cannot solve and does not purport to. At the same time, I do not think that it is a worthy sort of argument or stance against it to say, because everybody cannot have this today, we should not do this now. I mean, that's, I mean, name any tech, you know, chemotherapy, the most people afflicted with cancer in the world cannot afford quality chemotherapy. Should we not develop chemotherapy and continue to, you know, expand it and and, and do that? So I want to acknowledge that, yes, there is a massive swath of the world population whose problems are so much deeper in daily than you know, to, can I have sovereign rights in this metaversal uh, kingdom, that sort of thing. So one, acknowledge that, honor that. At the same time, I think that these technologies do provide a possibility for a much more equitable um, financial situation for people the world over. You know, just on the finance side of it, you know, I think that a lot of the criticism that crypto gets is that people perceive it to be, this is just tech bros, finance bros, people who are already rich and they, or they got lucky and now everybody's a millionaire and they're doing whatever they do over there on the yacht or whatever, buying monkey pictures. I think that access to banking and like financial services, which so much of the world does not have, that is a basic promise that crypto can fulfill. I mean, just having money or value, let's call it value because money can, can get a little bit weird and being able to say that this is mine. No one can take it. I can send it to anybody else on the planet, use it however I wish. And it's, you know, protected from, uh, you know, a lot of state monetary policy. I think that's a very, very good thing indeed. So it's not utopian. It's not going to solve world hunger tomorrow, you know, the metaverse. But I think that these are, um, you know, developments that we should definitely pursue. And on the tech front, in terms of getting people there, I mean, it's getting better all the time. These things that are so expensive and prohibitive right now are going to get much, much easier to use and more affordable as technology always does. So I think that Certainly, if not, if it's not the case now that within 10 years, the vast majority of people will have internet access of some kind and that baseline internet access is rapidly going to be all that you need to take advantage of these technologies. Okay, thank you very much. 
Let's talk about art. Many industries are going to be impacted by the metaverse and by blockchain. But one industry was at the forefront of this technological revolution, and I believe it's the art industry, was the first industry to fully embrace and unleash the power of the metaverse. How is the metaverse and blockchain going to change the art world according to you? Ooh, uh, so I, I'll just qualify this by saying that uh, I'm just some guy. I am not an art historian. I did not, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a scholar. Not, you are uh, nothing at smart. You're too high. <laughs> For Wes Hazard is one of the top guys I know about the metaphors. You're way too modest. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. But like, yeah, in terms of like the traditional art world, the economics of the art market, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, you've asked a very broad question and I'll just say that First of all, people all over of all, you know, from all over the world, across all categories, races, ages, economic backgrounds have made art for forever and will continue to do so. I don't think there's any threat of that stopping. But when you get into the business of selling art, then you're talking about, you know, a specific thing of like the global art market with auctions and galleries and museums and, uh, you know, and schools that teach art and all this sort of stuff. So I think it's important to acknowledge that baseline art, like that human principle that every culture has ever, has always done art capital a is fine will be fine will find new ways to express itself with these new technologies as it always does we saw a lot of the hand rigging that we're seeing now when photography debuted and it's like oh my god it's all technical you know it's a scientist did this the camera made the image you're not an artist you know you didn't learn how to paint we've seen this over and over and over again so in terms of what this does for the art world i think that this gives a platform you know the decentralized nature of um you know uh I don't want to say crypto art because for me, crypto art means a specific thing, but art modulated through the blockchain and distributed um, through blockchain gives people an opportunity like they've never had before. You know, it gives people a platform who would otherwise never be seen by, quote, the traditional art world to um, promote their work, have it seen, and have it crucially purchased by anyone in the world. Now, that does not mean that they're automatically going to get these eyeballs. You know, if you're in a small village in, in Malaysia and you're an extremely talented artist and you start putting out NFTs, you still have to get attention to them. You still have to have people come and find you, promotion, all this sort of stuff. So it's not a magic bullet. However, now you can. You can. That same individual who I would never have encountered their art before and certainly would not have been able to buy it easily, that person is right on front on OpenSea, on Super Rare, on Foundation, all these NFT art sites, right up alongside everybody else. So they have a chance. I think that you know, institutional money, people who were doing well in art, who had money, who had careers, who had name recognition and had a practice behind them already are going to be particularly well positioned to take advantage of what we're seeing. At the same time, there are so many other people who would just have no chance whatsoever of making sales to a global audience now will. And also art itself will change. So the things that we can do, like right now when you ask people to imagine art, they think mainly paintings, sculpture, uh, photography, you know, these things, you know, th that we're all very much aware of. These technologies are going to provide new experiences, new kinds of art and ways to experience it that we have not seen before. And for that, I'm extremely excited. What advice would you give to a traditional art collector who is collecting physical art, paintings, sculptures, drawing? and who is hesitant to start to collect crypto artists, NFT artists, what would you tell to this person? Generally, you know, in, in my experience, people who are, you know, 
prolific or even reasonably prolific collectors of physical art uh, right now and have been for like 10, 20 years. Like, look at that profile. That takes a lot of money to, you know, buy quality pieces from name artists. It takes space to house them or at least store them, if not display them. So you're generally dealing with an older moneyed audience. And in my experience, those are the people who tend to be the most skeptical of crypto as a whole. Like, you know, the last to buy Bitcoin, the last to believe in any of this because their success, and you know um, their their values were built in a physical world, and so they like to. I have this money; it's in a bank account, or I have these gold coins, or this art on the wall. I have it; I can touch it. It is there; it's tangible. I, you know, they feel very secure in that. It is a little bit of a leap to say, "All right, you're going to purchase this NFT, and it was made digitally; it only exists digitally. You cannot touch it." You know, you should not want to because it's not a physical piece. I think that they have a lot of hesitancy about believing in the inherent value in realness of the digital world. And I think that's probably the, uh, the biggest generational shift here. There are kids right now, you know, if you're 15 or 12, 13, you're probably playing Minecraft, Fortnite, Roblox, like a significant portion of your day. I mean, the numbers on these are astounding. I think Roblox has something like 50, 55 million active monthly users, something crazy like that, right? This is a generation of people who are it is so second nature to them to wake up. My friends are in the metaverse. I, this is my friend, my good friend, who I've never met, but we hang out hours a day. This is a valuable thing, a skin or a weapon or something like that that I value, that means a lot to me, one of my most prized possessions, but I can't touch it, I can never touch it, it only exists online. Like That is a very natural mindset for them. For people who were, you know, um, come from an older generation where everything was physically rooted, especially if you spent you know, a significant amount of your adult life without the internet, that is a big river to cross, to like see value, to actually feel like these are artworks that I can own and have value. So I, I would say that my advice to the people in that situation is just throw yourself in. And I would say it, it is real. The digital is real. This is so real. This is what we're doing. I'm 38. I was probably like 14. Uh, no, I was 12 when we got our home computer with the internet. So I remember looking up movie times in the newspaper. I remember calling a phone number to get the weather and that sort of stuff. And I'm very thankful for that because it gave me a little, you know, rooting in that world. But for people like, you know, my parents who, you know, they had houses and kids before you ever heard about the internet. I think for them, it is very difficult to feel like any of this is, quote, real. And that mental barrier, I think, is the biggest obstacle and challenge for traditional collectors. Once they've crossed that and realized that this is what we're doing, I think it gets a lot uh, easier for them. It feels to me that the metaverse has some attributes of a religion. There is some belief. We believe in the blockchain. We form a community. We gather together to events. So is the metaverse a new form of religion? I mean, it certainly has religious overtones on the, the, the far end of it, you know, and people can make a religion out of anything. I'll, I'll just say that like on a baseline technical level, like just this technology and where we're moving forward, I think that it is fairly straightforward. I don't attribute a ton of mysticism uh, or, you know, or, or uh, um, ritual overlay to it. That, that will come. It will be there. But I look at it like this. It is just an evolution of where we are going as a species on a technological front, like just like telecommunications, right? This is something that didn't exist 200 years ago, sending a message instantaneously across the planet. Like we live in a wildly different world 
than someone in 1850, and they lived in a completely and utterly different world than someone from the year 1000 AD. So if you dropped us into those worlds or dropped those people here, it was, it's always going to be foreign and crazy and they're not going to get it and they're going to be feel threatened and angered and sad, all different kinds of ways. That's just like the way of the world. On the, Specifically on the religion question in the metaverse, there will be religion in the metaverse. You People will go to church digitally, virtually. I mean, people already do that. It is totally feasible and obvious to me that, you know, if you're a person of faith, you will throw on some glasses, you know, you know in 10 years and go sit in a virtual pew and listen to a virtual pastor. And that pastor might have a skin that doesn't look like a human being, but it will still be, you know, the faith that you came to hear or whatever. That 100%. In terms of like, is this a religion? Like, is, you know, if you define a religion as something that gives people a purpose outside of the the visual visual immediate world with a sort of a teleology, like, you know, we're achieving something, like there's a goal here in the end that's bigger than what we can possibly comprehend, and that that thing is fated to happen. Yes, there are clear, obvious ties and, and analogs between a religion and that. You know, my take on religion is that people are just inherently religious. Like, you know, it's one of the things that we've done in every society ever observed, ever. There has always been some sort of faith divinity of all different kinds. So human beings just intrinsically want to have that, you know, in that you, you could say that that's because they can't understand and they need, you know, they want meaning, et cetera, et cetera. There's all sorts of explanations for why that is. But I think that it is absolutely true that we are, we seek that sort of stuff. And as you see now in, you know, modern late stage Western capitalism, where Christianity has lost so much of its hold, what have we seen take over? You see things like astrology and QAnon and, you know, faith in the metaverse. Like we, we find ways to fill that no matter what. It's going to get filled. That need is going to be met. And so, yes, there are people who will absolutely look towards this tech with a religious aspect. My personal take is that it is not inherently religious and it's sort of, we're just seeing the same stuff we always see play out. Thank you so much, uh, Wes Hazard. It, it was a, a pleasure to have you on the uh, whole Metaverse uh, NYU podcast. So I, I wish you a good luck in your, in your project in the Metaverse. And also, I'm going to do a little bit of, of advertisement for your Twitter spaces. I think it's on Wednesdays at 10 a.m., correct? Yes, Wednesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern time. We have a Twitter space um, with whale members, uh, you know, which is a DAO, uh, social token community out there. But uh, yeah, we have Natively Digital. It's called Art, Culture, and NFTs. Every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, uh, we get into it. And it's a beautiful discussion with our community about news of the week, what's going on in the art space, what's going on in the culture of NFTs, tips on security, things that we're hearing about that we're excited about. And it's just a really great time to meet with the community. Thank you so much. And Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Whole Metaverse, a podcast from the New York University School of Professional Studies Metaverse Collaborative. The Whole Metaverse is produced by Make More Media. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe for more content. For more information about the NYU Metaverse Collaborative, please head to www.sps.nyu.edu.